0: Welcome to Learning with Lim, a business podcast not just about the financial industry, but what's happening at Philip Capital around the world, along with many interesting stories of lessons learned along the way. I'm Lynette Lim, and I'm the co CEO of Philip Capital in Chicago. But I also go by daughter to our founder, wife, mother, big sister, friend, and also fellow student. Thank you for listening in today. Good morning Sidaimi, uh, thanks for taking my call
1: today. How are you doing? I'm fine. I just got back to Cambodia on Sunday evening, okay. so it's been a very exciting three days. Yes.
0: Okay. So, yeah, we met recently in Cambodia, I think in April, right? And maybe you could explain what you're doing now in Cambodia, and what's your projects, and what, how is Philip Capital related to what you're doing?
1: So I'm in Cambodia now and living here since August last year, and I'm working on a PPP, Public-Private Partnership, with the Cambodian Ministry of Education, Youth and Sport. So working on a STEM project, it's an education project, and I'm uh, my partner. uh, I had to start a new NGO, and we call it E2 STEM Education. To partner the uh, Ministry of Education, Youth and Sport on this particular project. Yes. Okay. So, and
0: how? So how? And how is Philip related to what you're doing, or is it just we're friends or Singaporeans? I remember Piong Hoon saying that. Uh, uh, something that you're we're doing with you, but I'm not sure.
1: Oh, it's a very strange and a rather long story. I'll try to make it uh, succinct and short. Uh, I have been coming to Cambodia in and out since 2004, and uh, that was because my church had asked me to be the chairman of mission. And we have a church project, Alder Street Methodist Church, has a church partner here in Cambodia in one of the smaller villages about an hour out from Phnom Penh. So, because of My position in missions committee as chair and working on the project, I was in and out of this country for many years, for the last 10 years. And at the end of which, I just thought that it would be time to retire and other younger church members then stepped in to take over and uh, all the positions which we had started, uh, namely the partner church, we had a youth hospital in Phnom Penh for youth who were coming to Phnom Penh to do university. And we also had slum ministry. So, over the 10 years, these three had developed. And I was quite comfortable thinking of retirement as I had approached my seventh decade and more or rather. Uh, the good Lord kept on calling and said that I had not completed my work in Cambodia. So and this was in the area of education.
0: Yeah, so I guess maybe we should start from the beginning because you have a very interesting story, right? Life story so far. I mean you're seventy six, right? And seventy
1: five. I'm now I'm I'm now seventy five. Okay. That was five, right. And your, um,
0: so maybe you can start from the beginning of Your career—what led you to this? Like, how? What you started with, and because I know you had a few career changes as well, so maybe you could say this (laughs) in person.
1: Yes, yes, you're you're totally right. I am. uh, Well, I'm more um, a 21st century kid than a 20th century kid in many ways because, but today most people change. A career, their jobs once every five years or around that, you know. During my time, people never really changed their careers, but I seem to have rolled on and on, and al- almost every 10 years, 8 to 10 years, I would have career changes. I was born and raised in a small town in Malaysia called Malacca. Okay. A very historical town. You have, uh, I went to school there, but I grew up in uh, before schooling days in uh, little estates all over the southern part of Malaysia because my father worked in rubber estates moving from the assistant manager moving right up to managing rubber estates and uh, I spent my childhood in rubber estates and then on to Malacca. How many uh, um, brothers and- home sisters? Uh, there are four of us. Okay. I'm the eldest. Okay. I have a brother and two other sisters. Okay, okay.
0: So you lived in different parts of Malaysia before kind of settling into Malacca?
1: Yes. Malacca was home for my mother. My mother and her whole family are all Malacca-based, and Malacca was where my, tar- my father met my mother because he went to Malacca to work. Okay. So when it came time to for us to go to school, my father just conveniently rented a house in Malacca, a few doors away from grandmother. Okay. And that became our base during school time. We would live in that house, and every school holidays, we would travel up to be in the rubber, to spend uh, the holidays with our father in the rubber estate. So that. Okay. And the house was directly opposite the school this girls' school Malacca, so I lived directly opposite the school, oh. And when the school bell rang, and I'd just run across the road and be a, and be still on time for school, no no, and will wouldn't get caught by the precepts
0: and you were like my mom um, said, because is my mom's from Malacca too, that you were a very bright student, right, and you were top of the class and you moved or you jumped classes which twice or three times or something.
1: Your mother tells you things. <laughs> I was yeah. Amazing what you remember. I remember your mother as, as a lot younger because I was in the last classes in, of of school. The last two classes of school, I was classmates with her with her sister Kung Xian. Yeah. And yes, I still remember her as, her as a young little girl. Yes, I did skip classes. I started school young, and I, I did skip another two classes while I was in primary school, but uh, well, I, I I do accept that I was bright, I was very bright, I had a lot of, but I know at one time you did ask, you know, how did it feel like it? I really didn't feel any different, except that I was very, very naughty, grew up very naughty, played a lot of games, did everything you can imagine in school, I played everything, I played netball, I played. I got hockey, I ran for school, I was involved in drama and elocution and everything. So I just it had a wonderful school time at school. And so in that sense, growing up in Malacca in and living opposite the school where you can spend almost your whole life in the school, yeah. gave me many opportunities, you know, to develop. And I just enjoyed yeah. Doing things in school, I was in school most of the time.
0: Very hard, hard, hardly ever at home, almost. Okay, so and how was it like? Was it? We talked about it a little bit that time, like when you were jumping. You mentioned that it wasn't a very good idea. That you might not have done it nowadays, or you don't recommend doing that now. Or would you still have done the same and just keep jumping classes, because you would be the youngest the, of oh. the kids, right?
1: Yes, Lynette. Actually, I would not recommend it now because the environment now, all right? And at the time when it was being done to me, I had no choice. I didn't know anything. Honestly, I was in primary school. I just, when I started school, they said, oh, you already know all the alphabets and all, and you can do multiplication. You shouldn't stay in primary one. You should go up to primary two. So I just, after a couple of weeks in primary one I pushed on to primary two. And then at primary five, the same thing happened. And then, and as I said, I was already one year younger in class. So I, I ended up two to three years younger than all my classmates. And in fact, some of my classmates were five years older, because they were war babies. They were all war babies. And therefore, Second World War, born yeah. uh, conceived after the before and after the Second World War, and therefore when the school started, we were of varying varying ages, you know. So it, everyone, went, you know, it was very common that every class, you know, the deviation was about. Oh, I see. One, two, So it was two, four, about plus different. or minus one year. So, uh, okay. So that was already there, and then because I skipped grade, I was even younger. So on, at, uh, so I was at some. Uh, for some, I think I was three years younger than your aunt. I was, the average was I was two years younger than, them okay. than the others. There are psychological problems. Let's face it, you know, I was still climbing trees when some of the girls in my class were dating. <laughs> For instance, I'm using just a, 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 a in other words, I was still playing very simple games and and I had, girls in my class who are about four, five, five, four, five years older who were already dating and thinking about boyfriends, yeah,
2: yeah. you know.
1: And when they finished, when they when I finished school at 15, you know, some of them were already 18, 19, and very soon after that, a, a couple got, two of them got married already. Oh, wow. You know, so it was just that this gap, you know, made relationships in the class very, very, very strange i i, I was a kid in class, you understand it's like
2: yeah. it's like
1: in a in a hall you are the youngest and therefore you are a kid, you know, but who uh, your a friends? kid who who, who your friend who was brighter than one of my friends were the ones i I did things with i the ones who played games with me okay. the ones who sang we I had good friends among those who sang in the choir and went. And the reason why I went to church was because my school choir mistress was also the, the choir conductor at church. So, she, so we all so we went to church and sang with her in the choir there. And I had good friends there. And I had uh, good friends amongst the extended family since I, I was living. Well, there were three, three homes within five doors of each other where my grandmother, uncles, aunts, and us all lived together. So, you know, so there was a, we had a very close extended family. So there were friends at, for games, you know, for, for uh, yeah, sports, friends at church, and a wonderful extended family.
0: So it's not that bad, right? I mean, all, all you had to feel was just being the kid of the class, but I mean, why why uh, is it bad for you? I, I'm
1: trying to understand. It was bad because Uh, It was bad because there was, today you would call it bullying. Okay. You know? Then what is it called? (laughs) At that time, it was just, there was some in the class who really made sure that I was the kid. I was, I should not be doing some of these things. And the thing about it all is that the school principal was my aunt. Okay. So this lot of kids used to me and used to keep on telling me that I was I got all the promotion because oh, I okay. Was, okay. Aunt oh, yeah. was, my principal. Okay, yes. that was one. That was that was one of the problems, and they were also bright kids. It, not someone said what? <laughs> no? so it was just that like, it was something they could find. And then, as, and, as I said, psychologically, when you are 12, 13, and the others are 15, 16. Do you understand what I mean, you know? Yeah. It was that, that period. I never felt it when I was very young, and I never felt it afterwards when I was in university, but that period of 12 to 15. that's a tough time. uh, I did feel it. I felt isolated, I felt that. But the whole point was I had, my brains were older than my body, okay? Yeah. I had not even I had not you know, even yet. I had not, you know, I had not even had my first period. So it's, it's that kind of a thing. And the others were all young, and uh, you know. So as I said, today you would call it bullying, but at that time we didn't call it. I was just a puzzled kid, you know. I really I went through a couple of years of really not knowing what to do or where I was because you know what was it all about. So, and it had nothing to do with how bright I was. So I was still doing very well in school and all yeah, the other things. Yeah. But when I, when I settled that period and then I, and I, there was a very definite Christian conversion experience during that period. And then, you know, and after that, when I settled down, I actually ended up helping and tutoring some of the others in my class who were the slow ones. And they turned around and they asked me, but why are you doing it for us? You know, you, you, you why are you teaching us? And I just told them that I guess that I should because, you know. So here was I in my uh thirteenth, year yeah. helping my friends who were eighteen years old, that kind of a thing. So it is uh, but I, I definitely had a conversion experience.
2: Yeah. Uh, in
1: my you know. And and that changed me and that also gave me the assurance of the person I was in the in the eyes of the Lord. So I went from there on, you know, but there was this couple of years where I was a confused kid, you know. I could have, you know. And thankfully, I had very, I had very good Sunday school teacher and choir teachers who sure and were very concerned. I, I don't know whether at that time they, they realized that, that, uh, that, that I was going through this bad patch, but The Sunday school teacher did, you know, and he and his wife, who came from Singapore, actually, they had been posted to to Malacca, so they they saw that, you know, and they took me under there, you know, and my choir, mistress and social. So they they, they just were there for me at that particular period of my life. And I think that, I guess, in all frankness, when I told you I would not do it because I did not do it to my own daughter. Yeah, that was I also that felt, you, uh, I felt that she should not. It was not necessary for her to have an accelerated promotion, but she did qualify. And she did for the uh, and, and when she was in secondary like school, she went into a gifted program, and that, you know, formed her future where she was accelerated within her own group. You know and uh, she was challenged in all her distinct and i think that was more important because otherwise when you have once your your even your brain goes faster than your body yeah there are problems and i think if you yeah, that was why i did tell you that i if i had a choice if i knew if i knew what it was going to be like i might not have it. But at that time, I had no choice whatsoever. I was in primary right. one. I was in primary five. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I really had no. It was just, you know, the teacher says, "Oh, you know, everything up you go." You know, so up and went. You know, that was it. You know? But yeah. uh, nowadays, I, I I think you will notice that nowadays they they never accelerate you that, that that fast. Never. No, I think at most, you know, you may skip one class. or or the whole class moves up, or a whole group of you moves up and do more. You may do your final exams together at, you you know, six months earlier or 12 months earlier, but you don't do what they used to do, and that was when you're very bright, you get double promotions, and when you are not so bright, you get held back. And there were many girls, in my class, who were held back, that's why as I said they're different they in our ages, you know range between two to you know they're two to four years older than me, so that's you know so it i now they i mean they are also very education is also very careful about holding kids back, you know they may put you into a slower class so that you can learn slower pace still we never had those opportunities. Nobody talks about child psychology during the time we grew up. So There was only one senior high school class when I finished high school, and there were 40 of us in that class, and there was no second class, third class, or fourth class. So the clever ones are there, the not-so-good ones are there, no, the average ones are there. All were just in one class under one teacher, you know, that was, that was, and we were the in a good school, so there's only one class, no, yeah. and five at that time. Uh, so it, it it is very different from then and now. I think now I don't know if I was growing up at this time and age. I think the disparity would, would be even greater if if yeah uh, I had been uh, I was in today's time I was accelerated the, the way I had been accelerated.
0: So I mean, okay, it, it's yeah. interesting, right? So I, I'm I'm just thinking aloud, like, because for me, we, my oldest son is pretty bright. He's yeah. like an old soul, and I frankly think he's a bit lazy. So he got into the gifted program in in the public school here, no no problem, yeah. right? It was interesting to go through that experience. Now we put him in the private school, just to just to see what 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 it's like, and it feels like. Yeah, they accelerate them two years ahead in terms of the academics. But also, I find the kids mm-hmm. get a little, like, entitled. Like, they know that they're the gifted kids. And that's quite irritating to me. Like, why why should you feel that like you are special? You know, like, okay, you're brighter than other people, but you shouldn't feel this like, special. And I think once if kids feel such mm-hmm. like that they're special, like, they won't try very hard, right? Because they don't want to fail because they're kind of known as, the gifted kids, you know, so I I don't know. What what do you think about, like, should schools be more inclusive, or should it be, like you said, like separate tracks?
1: Uh, Well, I know how Singapore did it, eh? Uh, because as I said, my my own child was in the, what I call the, she she was in the first group where they started the program. It did a lot for her, and she was also in a school with a very unusual school principal who made sure that uh, they were not treated as unusual, different, so they had to make sandwiches for parents, for Parents' Day and do everything like everybody else, you know. So I, 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 I'm I very grateful for that school principal because I think that her attitude and her towards the class uh, helped a lot because... Not only were they sort of uh well they are they were in the one of the top public big top public girls schools in uh singapore mm-hmm. so it was in, in within that school there are so many other kids who may not be in the district stream, but they are all very bright and they're also you know in the school This is level young school so not so it was it for her she she herself said that it was a very good Experience when she went to R.G. Okay. Uh, because here she saw a mixture of all levels of people in Singapore. It's not like oh, she was in one of those aided schools, you know, in, and I better not mention other schools. In and when she, before she moved into this program, so in the other school, uh, I suppose the average income of the parents was a lot, lot higher than, say a neighborhood school you know where the, where, where the average income is low not you know is lower. but then what happens is when you go to schools the like RI and RGS, at that cut you know they, they are the other the top ones will apply to go to these schools and therefore you get to have friends from very poor circumstances but they have the like right kids and from very rich circumstances, so that you have the whole spectrum in that school. And she herself told me, even when she was in the school, that she really enjoyed it, because she really saw, you know, what, you know, that she had friends among the poor, and amongst, you know, everyone amongst, you know, and and she also excelled because it challenged her. The program challenged her. So the program was more on challenging and, you know, moving them, you know, yeah. to higher levels of understanding and not skipping classes like had happened to her mother many years ago. Um, so she was with this group of girls right through until A levels, and they are, and some of them are still her, her closest friends, you know, and they meet up, they still meet up, you know, for teas and lunches and you know all kinds of things. So I it, She had a good experience in a gifted program amongst these. Uh, In her class, there were 17 girls. And in the other class, I think 17 or 18. So there were about uh, approximately 40 of them, you know, in that particular year. Uh, Nowadays, they're training to a lot more. There are hundreds, you know, in this program. So it is essentially an enhancement program rather uh, to sort of, that they don't get bored and you know, they're challenged. And I would support a program like that because when they grow together with their friends, they're challenged you know, but they do not necessarily carry a label, you know, which is it for for the first few ones which were all called gifted, gifted, gifted. It was a label they carried and everybody expected them to do very well and all the other things or you are gifted. But I felt it was not necessary to have have it like Uh, that. uh, uh, Singapore has moved into a more acceptable situation. This so called giftedness, gifted program has been opened up to all schools who want to have it, and it is essentially an enhanced one and program for those who have special giftings in certain subjects and all, which I feel is the right thing. to finish up on, but you said yes. I feel school should be inclusive and not exclusive. You no. Know? Yeah. Because yeah. The I. I. Children I, I, who are in their, uh, in their teenagers and all that, when they feel excluded, this is when the problems arise. You know, of them wanting to join gangs. You know, and for boys and now even girls and all that because if they feel excluded, they will look for other places you know, yeah. to be included in so that. So I subscribe to an, an inclusive program, but within the inclusion there can be areas of uh, nurturing excellence. Okay?
0: Yeah. I, I like the idea. I, I like the idea about also kind of how you, for yourself, right, that you found kind of meaning or maybe the inclusiveness when you were able to help your older classmates in their schoolwork, right? So it was almost like it's a full circle, and by doing that, you built the friendships of them too, you know, like that. I mean, you did it on your own, right, to to do that. But I think without it, you would have more excluded, right, in that sense. Yes,
1: yeah, I didn't realize what I was doing. You you understand what I mean? Yeah. I just realized it, and this was in the area of maths and mathematics. They really struggled with it, you know, and I. And, and here I found it so easy, you know, so so it was. So I, I would just help them and explain to them and all that. So it's, in a way, it's like what people call peer teaching now, but it happened uh, <laughs> 60-odd years ago, you know. It just naturally I helped them through these little hurdles. And because I understood what had to be done in my mathematical brain, and they just, they struggle with it, okay? So it was just,
0: to me, a very natural thing to do. So Yeah, it's quite interesting, right? Like, I think, like, my son, he didn't want to attend Sunday school because it's too boring and easy for him. So he goes for me for adult service, right? But the only way I can get him to join Sunday school... How old is he now? He's eight. So he, he's too bored. So, so the only way I can motivate him to join Sunday school is because now... Molly's also in the same Sunday school bracket with him, and I can tell him like, "Hey, you couldn't help the younger kids. Like, you go to Sunday school, you don't go there and like try to learn. You just go there and help the kids, right? And somehow that responsibility mm-hmm. makes him feel, I don't know, like feel included into the group, right? Rather than like, oh, this is too boring, this is too easy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so that that's mm-hmm. an interesting learning for me to think about. That maybe like the I, 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 I yeah, the bright kids of of. Well, the same hey, thing
1: has- Learn. The same thing happened to my grandson, and therefore he goes and helps the five, four, five-year-olds. You know, yeah. When <laughs> he was in that lower, you know, that lower secondary school, they're not moving from in junior high. You know, he was helping out because otherwise, well, the nerds and the geeks do feel a bit different from the others. At, it 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 is at the early teenage. You you understand? But you also you tell me, when only what eight, Nine years old, yeah. Eight, nine, okay. Well, I went when my kids were, I can't remember what age they were, but uh, they had problems in Sunday school, also. And I actually moved churches because oh. of that, okay. Because my children knew the Bible from the time they were kids, uh, they, my dog, they were reading the Bible when they were five years old, you know, so so they knew the Bible better than their Sunday school teacher, <laughs> and therefore they were really, really, you know, and then one day I went, and I was Sunday school superintendent, so I was walking around, and here I found these two kids playing caroms. Right. I did, you know, I mean, do you know the game caroms?
0: Yeah, I, I, I play it watch Wachong.
1: Uh, okay, so they were playing caroms, and I said, what are you doing outside playing caroms when you're supposed to be with Sunday school? Yeah. I mean, in the class, and they said, the teacher says, we can go and play because we know the lesson already. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, really. so here was Sunday school think and then looking at two kids who were playing caroms when they were supposed to be in class and uh, was getting that answer, and they were her own children. So we, then my husband and I, prayed about it and then just brought it up to the church that we felt that it was time for us to move because we had moved to work and help in this pioneer work. It was a start-up church. And so we moved back to parents' church so that our children would grow up, you know, in the normal Sunday school and all that. So we moved, you know, so we moved back to Western church to allow the children to have a normal (laughs) Sunday school experience. So it is sometimes, and therefore I do understand when uh, we... The problems when they are kids, like we call them pastor's kids or missionary kids, MK kids or third culture kids because their parents are leaders in the church and uh, they have been brought up, you know, to know. As far as knowledge goes, a lot, you know, but where so they are in an environment like missionary kids where yeah. some of the others, especially we, we were in a pioneer church. We started that church with the group. We were in the startup group, you know. Right. So you know, so I understand the problem of your son, yeah? because we went through that, and my own grandson had a little problems like that there in Australia, but wisely, the mother and father, you know, told him to go and out with the kids, you know, like like your son is doing and and he did and he loved helping out with the with the younger kids so so that kept him within the fold for a uh, no? yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Uh, now he is in his final he's now in his final year of high school. He's in year twelve now.
0: Thank you for listening. Please leave a comment if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to discuss. I hope you enjoyed learning with Lim. Until next time, have a great day and remember there's always room for learning.